welcome back. Pull up a chair and join us at the table this week for another episode of Paper, Pencil, Dice, a tabletop role-playing podcast. Welcome back to Paper, Pencil, Dice. So last time our heroes got themselves into a bit of a uh, combat situation uh, with a large constructs of some sort and met a couple of twin artificers. But before we get back into the action here, uh, let's do a quick round of introductions. So first of all, Jethal, would you like to go and introduce yourself? Yeah, my name's Chris. I play Jethal Zahn. Uh, I am the elf wizard of the group and apparently known by also money bags by the rest of the group. I don't know why, but that's a thing. Might have something to do with those bags of money. They're getting awfully heavy. Don't forget your alias, Yonthal. Yes, Yonthal. That's correct. I also go by Yonthal. Thank you for reminding me. Up next, Tabitha. Do you want to go and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Jess. Uh, I feel like I'm in an A meeting or something. Um, I, pl- I play uh, Tabitha and... Gregory and Francis. Uh, I don't really have any aliases. So, yay. 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 All right. Up next, Tormir, would you like to go and introduce yourself? I am Brendan, and I play Tormir, the dwarf monk. And I, I'm just really sad the giant robot didn't get my punchy jokes. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Uh, up next, Athir, would you like to go and introduce yourself? Uh, sure. I'm Brian. I play Athir. I'm a little glad that we're not in an AA meeting because my drink of choice right now is scotch. So it would be a little bit... Uh, awkward. Probably out of... Awkward, yeah. So, um, yeah, hopefully uh, I can be of use as a fighter while drinking scotch here. So we'll see. Yeah. Scotch in one hand, sword in the other. There you go. Would you be the Scotch Guard? But by the way, listeners, we record this uh, podcast in the evening. Although I don't know if that make if morning Scotch <laughs> would be better or worse. Better. We should we should do some discovery on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't like uh, Scotch, so the best part of waking up <laughs> is McAllen in your cup. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and last but not least, Tegan, you want to go and introduce yourself? Hey all, I'm the other Chris. Um, my character is Tegan Stumbleduck. Very careful while you say that name. And he <laughs> is a gnome sorcerer. And he's just kind of right now just hanging out, watching what's going on. It's kind of fun to see all the group hanging out. But at the same time, he's kind of a little upset that the group's up, kind of acting weird ever since he took told them about the whole like dragon in his head and having a little dream and flying with dragons he really thought that like the group would be excited and they're not he said uh yes seeing visions can't imagine why that would be bad all right and so last time as we said there was a battle with a construct and a couple of twin artificers do you guys remember what else happened last time uh, we brought uh, the, what was her name? Uh, um, Lady Isabella. That's right. We had Lady Isabella with us, and uh, 
Yanthal got the uh, we're working on the hookup for him. <laughs> he was definitely paying very close attention when she reached under her dress. Hmm. For her knife. For mm. her knife. Yeah. Nothing nothing untoward happened. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. Uh-huh. Yeah, that that's what it was. Definitely definitely the knife wink. Wow, you really are in a mood tonight. That's all we remember, Tony. Sorry. So, all right. Um, that being said, so let's go ahead and proceed. You guys uh, find uh, Unum and DM tell you, okay, so you're wanting to get to the Juggernaut, right? That's the plan? Right. And Ultimately. don't we? do we have to talk to the two different um gangs or we want to try to avoid them honestly um okay so one the the i think we believe that uh the troll hammers gang right is the one that's actually around the tempest labs which we believe is the entry point that we can get into the juggernaut labs eventually from correct yeah dm explains that's that's correct so there's there's the uh uh, Dust Town, which is in the Hollows, and in Dust Town is where the Trollhammers gang. For the, that's that's kind of their roost to a degree. Um, in Dust Town, in the middle of well, not the middle of Dust Town, in the edge of Dust Town is the entrance. The now, or as far as everyone else knows, the lost entrance to the Tempest Labs. Um, beyond the Tempest Labs, there is the Juggernaut Labs. Is the the most efficient way to get there. There is another external entrance to the Juggernaut Labs somewhere, but we haven't figured out where that is. So at the current time, if we want to get to the Juggernaut Labs, uh, the best way to go is through the Tempest Labs. Um. So, but that being said, first of all, you guys have to get down to the Hollows, and we need to get through the Troll Hammers. Um. Unum and I are fairly well known around most of Lantern City and Malatoon itself. Um, and as such, we'll probably have to travel more or less incognito and try not to make ourselves known much. Um, I mean, less... you can always bring a couple of your friends here. We could, but... Depending on how we get there, that might prove to be difficult. So, there are a few ways to get down to the hollows. Um, the first... Be born there? Well, okay. So there are a few ways for us to get down to the hollows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Unum speaks up at this point and says, So we have my personal favorite, the water elevator. Uh, but that will take us a while to get to. What exactly is a water elevator? So it is a... It's using the Silver Streams River. Um, which flows down uh, through the different layers and into the hollows. And it essentially uses it with a system of uh, locks and dams, really, for the most part, that allows the uh, a vessel in there to rise or lower... Uh, to the different elevations hmm. of Malatoon. That's interesting. Uh, it was it was our it was, it was our construction, um, but it's it's operated by the kobolds for the most part. 
so that 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 would be that that's Unum's personal favorite is is the water elevator because that was our creation, uh, but that will take us a while. One, it's not a very fast method of travel, and two, it would take us a while to get there from here in in our lab. Um, the second would be even longer. We could go and and walk there. There are a series of uh, stairwells and pathways that can lead you from one layer to another. They are all interconnected by some of the dwarven tunnels that connect the different areas. Um, and lastly, there is um, the rail. Uh, it is a uh, old creation by the dwarves who originally lived here in the mountain of Kirdoral. Uh We believe it was probably originally developed by Promethor, and we don't know if it was constructed by Promethor or not, but the initial concept was invented and developed by him. And beyond that, uh, it still runs fairly reliably to this day among the three different layers of the mountain. Can you drive it? Uh, it drives itself. Oh. Um, what we can control is where its stopping points are. Um, and the energy that conducts it, as far as we know, is powered by the Juggernaut Lab still to this day. So is this the first rail that they built, or is that the third one? It is. No, I, I don't know uh, in what order, or if there are more than one rails. Um, it's not even really a rail, but I mean, it, it's better for us to show you rather than explain it, because it's kind of difficult to explain, but... Um, that would be the fastest way. There is a forgotten rail station near here that we can get to from our labs. I vote we go that way. I mean, it's not very forgotten if you know about it. Uh, very few other than the two of us know about it. In fact, we've abused it uh, ourselves in order to uh, be able to board and disembark from the rail. We actually have our own personal car on it that uh, people think is part of the engine. Oh, of course you do. Um, that we ride around so that way people are unaware that we are riding the, the same public transport that everyone else is. That you're riding the rails. So, who's going to drive? Well, no one. Not it drives Tegan. Itself. It drives itself. But can we take like something down there that we can drive? You're no. not driving, Tegan. I, I want to drive. No. All right. Well, at least are we going to crash for the night so we can get ready, get kind of get some spells like squirt midday? away and get some it's, what? It, you guys have been awake for about two and a half hours at this point. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Oh, I was going to say. Fight. Well, because we rested at night, right? Right. And then you traveled across town over to Unum and Diem's lab. And, and had to fight. And had yeah. to fight. But it's it's not that late in the day. I mean, oh. Udemy Diem go, if you've been up all night and you need to rest, you know, I, I understand, um, but, um. Never mind. It'll be okay. This one's always looking for someone to take a nap. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's first nap and second nap and <laughs> afternoon nap. <laughs> breakfast. Was he a cat? Second breakfasts. Third breakfasts. Okay, now you're just making me hungry. Stop. <laughs> All right, never mind. Forget I said anything. Let's go uh, take your secret way. Okay. Uh, they go over to a wall, and DM uh, touches a couple 
sides. This appears to just be a solid me metallic surface, and Unum teaches touches a, a few different sides on it, and it and DM touches a few others as well on the same wall, and suddenly the wall just kind of t rotates horizontally. So it's it's instead of being uh, perpendicular to your your line of sight, it's then parallel, therefore allowing you to pass through on either side of it as it rotates uh, on an axis point in the middle of the wall. That's cool. And they go, and, and Unum and Diem go, after you? I go first. I jump. I just, like, run into the void or whatever on the other side of the strange wall. Okay. Um, uh, I um, have I pick up Gregory and have Francis follow. Okay. So, uh, Diem leads. Unum kind of like, walks behind everyone just to make sure no one gets lost. Um so you walk down a hallway, um, then you go to a set of stairs, and you take the, they lead you down the set of stairs. Uh, you come to another hallway. This one is dimly lit, uh, but there's still enough light uh, to see where you're going. As you continue down this hallway, you hear occasional distant cracks. Uh, sounds faintly like the crack of a whip, but you're not exactly sure uh, that that's what it is. They also don't appear, the cracks don't appear to be happening at any regular interval. Um, as you're walking down the hallway, you do see quite a few cobwebs that are in nearly every corner of the hallway, uh, up, up both on the sides and the floor. Um, all of them are covered with dust. Uh, there do not appear to be any spiders that uh, inhabit this uh, hallway, and the webs are the only signs that they once existed. Um... Jathal, as he's walking, nearly walks into one absentmindedly, but Lady Isabella pulls him up, up nearly a foot to the side to avoid it. Well, Can you feel the love tonight? Gosh. Oh, thank you. After nearly 15 minutes of walking down this hallway, there is another stairway, this one on the left side of the hall. Um, descending the last stairwell, you find yourself standing on a platform. It's nearly 100 feet uh, wide by 50 foot deep. Um, on this platform, there are these beautifully carved stone pillars with some of the most intricate dwarven artwork and there's metal filigree designs that are in a majestic combination of both dwarven and some gnomish art styles. Uh, they don't really appear to be at all really modified in any of the ways that you've seen the structures above changed. Um, there are also a few benches that are made of bronze uh, in a similar filigree style that look both sturdy and fragile at the same time. Um, and at the edge of the platform, there's a ledge and there's another surface 10 feet further down that's about 30 feet deep. Um, at regular intervals on this lower surface, there are these circular discs that are pulsating with, with bluish white energy. Every once in a while, you see these jagged energy arcs of electricity jump between the discs. Uh, DM looks at the rest of the group and back at Tegan, and then directly at Tegan, and then back at the rest of the group again, and says in a kind of a matter-of-fact tone, please ensure that no one approaches or touches those beacons. It would be horrifyingly fatal. Uh, I put my how, hand on Tegan's shoulder. How fatal? Horrifyingly, do not touch. Ouch. Okay. Any fatal right. means you're dead. <laughs> also, it's... you're the healer, 
and can't drink anything, so you would be SOL. Oh yeah, that's right. I can't. Y'all can't heal me, can you? Maybe this thing will cure him, though. <laughs> no more voices in your head. No, don't even. No, no, no. You don't get to say things like that. You know how in uh, how easily swayed he can be. All right, I get it. Pretty blue light death. Got it. Let's go. Look, shiny. I gotta take a moment to admire the dwarven artwork and architecture. Let's see if there's any anything to read on there. Uh, there are lots of things to read. It, um, it, there's these kind of reliefs that, that not so much in artwork, but you know, in kind of tell a story through the pictures of you know these amazing conquests and the dwarves that once ruled this area, and also uh, that there was the uh, the king of the dwarves and his right hand person who uh, was this dwarf who kind of had like a monocle over one eye and had a me- had a mechanical arm and a staff to kind of help him walk around who like was always by the king's side in almost all the different pictures. Hmm. Was that the inventor? That, w- that could probably be assumed that that's probably a picture of Promothor. Are there any interesting passages? So on the reliefs where it has the... Uh, the the pictures of the king and Promothor and everyone else and the battles. There's not a whole lot that's said among them, but there are like random sayings on the different pieces of artwork. Um, one that says, uh, "Guard your life, guard your gold, and guard your beard." In that order. Can you read that in the original Dwarven? No, I can't. <laughs> um, an- another uh, has a is on a picture of an axe, and it says, "Pride and anger are good for the soul." Well, that's just not true. That is very un, un me. And then there is another one that says you can kill a dwarf, but you can never vanquish one. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Although I'm pretty sure I'm one of the only people who hasn't gone to dying. And and the 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 last one that you see says dwarven women are like axes, as dangerous from the back as they are from the front. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the truth. Jeez. Wow, <laughs> got that cake. So, uh, Tormir, do you know this place? Is it significant in any way? I've never seen it before. I'm just taking a moment to admire something that hasn't been tainted. What do you mean hasn't been painted? Tainted. Oh, tainted, got it. Or painted, really. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> At least nobody fainted. <laughs> So much of the city has been ruined from what it was in the past. It wasn't exactly my favorite place when I had to leave, but it's it's not the same now. But now it's better. All right. Do you want to get a bit shorter there? Shorter than what? Shorter than you are now. <laughs> oh, okay. Tegan's wisdom score is not as high, Mark. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. So leave Tormir alone and so how do we get how do we start moving? So uh while you guys are having this conversation, you saw DM walk up uh, near the edge of the uh the edge of the platform, pull out a small device out of one of her po- or one of his pouches and turn a dial and the, the discs that you saw on that lower uh, platform or lower area 
uh, change the amount of light that they glow to sort of a dull blue shade, and uh, the energy doesn't appear to be arcing between them. The hum, which you didn't even notice until now, suddenly it changes in pitch to a lower register across the room. Cool. Um, Unum walks over to one of the beautiful bronze benches, pulls out a handkerchief, and clears what appears to be years of dust off of it, and sits down. And he says, sit, rest, we have a few minutes to wait. So, uh, before we board, have, uh, who all in the city have you spoken with, besides Lady Isabella here? And have you made any enemies or allies? It would be good to know uh, before we might have to tangle with any of them. I don't really, I don't think we've really encountered anybody other than the, um, the people that were harassing, uh, Lady Isabel. Yeah, the werewolves. The union. The Cogworks union? Sounds right. Yep, that's the one. They are possibly one of the largest organizations across all of Malatine. So, who and how many did you, uh deal with wasn't there about four there was three of them um one of them got away we two of them got away two of them got away and one of them was turned over to the authorities okay so two escaped and one has been arrested um okay yeah, we're still waiting for more development on that. All right. So, okay. So we have we have known people who are associated with the uh, Cogworks Union. Uh, Lady Isabella, do you know who any of them were? And she says, no. They were they were in their uh, their wolf form. So I don't I, I didn't rec- but I didn't recognize any of them by appearance. So uh, I don't know exactly who they were among the among the union. Yes. So, Lady Isabella, what were you doing that attracted uh, the attention of of the union? Because typically they want very little to do with the, the Samson magistrate or any of the, any of the family they're in, unless they're seeking their blessing. Lady Isabella gives a long sigh and says, "Well, ultimately, I've been trying to clear the name of Marin." Um, Diem looks over and says, "Marin the blacksmith." I've heard of her, but know very little of her history. Who was Marin exactly? I don't know anything about Marin's past at all. Uh, I know that she was once an excellent smith, and she's the strongest warrior I've ever seen, both in combat and personality. Um, but yeah, she's she never really talked about her past. Uh, only thing she ever said to me about it was that she did some bad things to some good people. And ruined what chance she had at a peaceful life a long time ago. Mm. Unum goes, okay, so what were you doing to try to clear her name? Uh, Lady Isabella says, well, after she came here, she quickly rose up the ranks to lead the Cogworks Union. Um, and the entire union was better under her leadership than it ever had been before. Um, she negotiated a, a fairly large deal with, with my assistance. Um, Marin had uh, negotiated to have a small plot of land uh, in Skyreach demolished to create a window to the world up above 
uh, letting the sunlight uh, come into the, the lower area. Uh, Marin said that it would help those in, the, in Cogworks live like people again. Uh, her, uh, her goal was to even have a communal garden district. Uh, unfortunately, the land that was to be condemned was owned by a businessman by the name of Zane Crow. He was an entrepreneur originally from Cogworks that scrounged up enough money to move up to the to from Cogworks to Skyreach. He bought some cheap land that happened to be roughly in the middle of the city and built his business empire on top of it and considered himself among the nobles within Skyreach. Uh, once Marin's plan was enacted, however, his property was forcibly purchased from him and destroyed despite his protests. He moved back to the Cogworks and began a campaign to take over the Union to prevent them from overtaking land going forward. My father saw an opportunity to weaken the Union uh, through Zane as well, and even convinced my brother to help him. The two of them financed Zane's campaign, and despite my protests, it was sadly effective. He turned the entire Union against Marin, convinced them that everything bad that had ever happened to the Union was all her doing. The Union workers eventually turned violent and she was driven into hiding. She now runs the resistance, but um, from my perspective, I've been looking for anything that I could do to help Marin gain an edge. That's why I've been working with Unum and Diem and everyone, anyone else that would hear me out. Um, but I, I want to give her back the union because the, the people of Lantern City deserve at least that much. It sounds like she had at least her heart in the right spot. Yeah, I mean, it's... There, there might have been better ways that she could have handled things, but she was trying to make the city a better place as, as well as she could. Well, and could there not have been a way of uh, giving him different land in a different spot that would be on the same level? Po- possibly. I, I mean, what's done is done now. Um, it, I mean, maybe we could offer that to Zane, but I don't know if Zane wants that. He's He's the steward of the entire union now, so... I, I would be surprised if he would be willing to give up control of the entire union simply in exchange for some land in Skyreach again. So if how was meeting with the werewolves going to clear the um Marin's name? I wasn't. They jumped her. I was planning on going to meet with Demetrius, the apprentice of Unum and Diem. Demetrius had something to inform me of, and I've been working with him on several occasions to try to, you know, send things down to Marin or or help help her in any way I could. Um, but unfortunately, I was attacked before I got the chance to to go and and meet with Demetrius that okay. that evening until you all arrived. I I still feel like that name sounds familiar. What name? Marin, but I I don't remember where where it was from. Unum at this point says, well, how long ago did that happen where you were attacked by those union workers? That was last night. Hopefully, since it's only been a day, uh, that the union members haven't had enough time to share with others who you guys are exactly. Uh, But honestly, we can't take chances. So we have, DM and I, we have our own personal cabin uh, on the train. Um, since we're celebrities throughout most of Lantern City, that's that way we can travel incognito. 
We have limited space in our personal cabin. Uh, likely we could fit eight uh, people of our own size in there in total. Um, since Lady Isabella is well known to the Union, and uh, so, since the... Um, who else did you guys ran into the actual Union members that might have seen you? I did. Okay, you? And Tabitha. Tabitha. And they would remember somebody with a badger. Just the two of you? We're the only ones who... Oh, I was there too. Okay, so well, that would be pretty much all the space we have because if Lady Isabella and Tormir would take up about the space of, you know, either both Unum and I, or both Diem and I. What's that supposed to mean? You're taller than we are. How many Tegans does it fit? It would fit eight Tegans. Oh, okay. Um, Cause it... But the... But so you can fit, essentially you can fit four medium-sized creatures or eight um, small characters. Um, so Unum, Diem, Tabitha, Tegan, and then Tormir and Lady Isabella would fill up their personal cabin in its entirety. And Gregory can sit on my lap and... Yeah. Gregory and, and uh, yeah, they, they can pretty much sit in your lap and or kind of hide among the rest of the stuff. They don't require a seat. So nor do they require that much space. Um, so Unum looks over at Jathal and Athir and says, did you guys engage with the union at all? Very briefly. I'm not sure if they'd even remember us. We didn't necessarily engage them in combat. So they likely, hopefully, wouldn't think of you as hostile, assuming they even recognize you. One can help. So, with our personal cabin full, at least two of you, and it sounds like Athir and Jathal, you would be the perfect candidates, we'd have to sit in the general cabin area. Uh, I mean, I can't, I'd be willing to, but uh, Jathal, do you think you could mingle with the common folk? I mean, I, obviously I can. It's fine. <laughs> the bigger question is, can he, can he let lady isabella out of his sight for that long that's the real question he's don't worry tormir's with her he'll take care of her <laughs> she's sounds like wow she's anyway i'm not even gonna answer that <laughs> i'd be an awful wingman if i let that happen that's true wing dwarf <laughs> You hear a bit of metallic stress. Uh, you hear whining and creaking, and it slowly gets louder and louder and louder, and until eventually you hear a tremendously large train show up. How sorry? How many minutes pass? Uh, probably about some about twenty minutes or so. Okay. I I just need to know because I'm switching a spell and I need ten minutes. So. Okay. No problem. Uh, so the train shows up. It has a similar design and filigree to the platform that you're on, uh, but there are it's it's a huge, grand uh, looking, very fancy train. It definitely looks of both dwarven and gnomish, probably more gnome than dwarf design. Um, it's there are areas where it looks like it's been damaged over time, and the repairs have been. Uh, much more mundane than the rest of it, mostly consider, consisting of large metallic plates bolted over what were likely punctures in the hull of the train. 
the train levitates above the circular discs on the ground, seemingly propelled by some sort of repulsion between the train and the, the discs on the ground. As the train rounds the final corner and the engine passes the platform, uh, you see a great deal more of electrical crackles coming up out of those discs. Uh, though the darkened nodes on the lower areas seem to slow it and eventually bring it to a gentle rest. Unum adjusts another dial on his controller and two doors open up. One to a smaller area and what looks to be a general cabin. Uh, Unum looks at both Jathal and Athir and says, We will disembark in five stops. So, or on the fifth stop after this point. So, uh, once we reach that spot, uh, make sure you disembark with the rest of us. Will do. Uh... Otherwise, the rest of you are with uh, DM and I. Have a have a lover have a lovely ride. As I look at Isabella, uh, Isabella walks up to you as well. She reaches up to the tr on her head, takes it off, and kind of flicks it a couple times, and it it turns into sort of a floppy leather hat. Uh, as she does, her clothes transform in what probably closer appears to be like a traveler's dress. Um, looks more like mundane clothing. Certainly not befitting a lady that you would expect. Um, and she hands the hat to Jathal and tells, and tells you, put it on and imagine one of the guards' uniforms that you saw up above. Oh, well, we all... This is a new trick I wasn't expecting. Uh, I put it on and imagine a guard outfit. And it immediately transforms into that kind of a mask that you saw the guard wearing, and the rest of your uh, equipment and gear turns into that same sort of uniform that you saw the guards up above wearing, the sort of red and black. Well, luckily he didn't uh, let his mind wander to Lady Isabel. <laughs> or a mankini. That would have been awesome. <laughs> a mankini. <laughs> I don't think those are... A thing in this world. <laughs> they can be. I sure hope they're not. <laughs> You'll be a trendsetter. Oh, goodness. Before we uh, board the train, I'm going to make sure um, I switch my armor to look like uh, pl- some nondescript plain clothes that would just blend in with everybody else that's going to be within the, the general uh, cars. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, DM kind of sees that you can transform your armor and goes, oh, if you can transform, you might want to go with uh, this kind of a look. And DM pulls out his device and kind of changes a couple different dials and it creates sort of this uh, somewhat translucent projection of a suit of uh, clothes. It looks like sort of leather coveralls uh, that have a symbol of the Cog- Cogworks Union on them. Uh, it's essentially a uh, a cog, it's a like it looks like three quarters of a cog in the shape of the letter C. Okay. Uh, uh, and he goes, if you if you do that, then you probably could masquerade as a member of the union because that's mostly what's going to board the train. That's a great idea. So I I go ahead and switch my armor to to match his uh, illusion that he he gave. Okay. Turns the dial off and the projection goes away. He goes, we'll see you, I guess, when we get down to the hollows. Stay safe, you two. Can you make me yes. taller? No. Uh, Unum goes, well, we've actually experimented with making people taller. It works, but it also turns them inside out. So Ooh. 
I would recommend against it until we perfect the technology. Okay, you you let me know. I'll be I'll be here for a while. Who have you been testing this on? Rats, mice, things like that. We we didn't feel it uh, up to uh, gnomish testing yet. I I don't know if I I'm okay with you testing on animals. I don't know. I mean, yes, test just, on Tegans instead. They're just, they're just rats. It's fine. They're not just... But they are just rats. Does it work on owlbears? Hey! Leave Gregory out of this. Does it work on badgers? Francis, like, growls (laughs) at you. (laughs) Maybe when you finish the Gnomus trials, you can actually step up to dwarfing testing. (laughs) Not for me, but for a friend. Uh-huh, for a friend. <laughs> so DM explains that the train will take off shortly. We need to board. All right, I get on. We'll see and... you on the other side. Remember, four stops. Four stops. Ah, just kidding, it's five. It's... Oh, <laughs> oh, you're right. It's five. Don't mess with them. I would have remembered. Would you have? Yeah, he would have remembered. I absolutely would have. Absolutely. So you get uh, you get on on board the train inside of Unamadiem's cabin. It looks pretty fancy, but for all five of you, it's pretty cramped. So you're all kind of in your own spaces. Kind of keep your legs together and your elbows down, so that way you're not kind of invading one another's uh, personal space. But uh, for the most part, it's it's not uncomfortable. It's just, you know, not a lot of space. But there is moving air, so it doesn't feel stifling in there. In the um, in the main cabin, you sit, you go in, and there are... It looks... Some of the seats look very fancy, very well-designed metal seats with sort of velvety-looking cushions that are extremely worn uh, from years of use, possibly decades of use. Um, and there's other seats that look like they've been replaced entirely, um, that look just mostly designed to be functional. Uh, whoever replaced the other seats just built them for function and wasn't trying to replicate the artistic design of the remaining ones. Um, but there is no one else in the, in that other, in the general cabin. It's just Athir and Jathal at this point. Okay. Uh, I... Take a seat. For now, at the very least. Alright. Can I go see the engine? You can You can see the engine through the window in your cabin. It's actually right in front of you, but you can't get out and walk up to the engine. Oh. Okay. The, the door to this cabin only goes to the, the back of the platform. Okay. Never mind now. I'll just look through the window. So the the front of uh, those of you who are up in Unamadiem's cabin can see the uh, the filigree. You can see a slight blue hue kind of come between the gaps in the in the filigree decorations as the train sort of lifts back up vertically and suddenly take uh, takes off. And it's um, it's very it's while it's jarring how quickly it takes off. The ride is incredibly smooth, smoother than any carriage ride that you've ever been on uh, almost feels like you're just gliding wow this is this is impressive you don't usually get this with horses 
that that hum that you heard that kind of lowered to a lower register raises back up to the previous register and uh, is it is it really loud in the car it's not that loud actually it it's probably much louder outside than it is inside you would guess um as the train gets up to speed uh all of you can see out the windows there are things moving past large archways passing overhead in the blink of an eye uh as it kind of rises up, you you get a much better overview. You're high up above, like not incredibly high up, but high enough above Skyreach that you can see the beautiful dwarven ceiling uh, with these car stal- uh, stalactites in the ceiling. Some of them, you know, as large as buildings. Um, just, uh, you know, and there's all kinds of uh, decorations in carved in the living rock. Um, but the thing is that you notice is a lot the the dwarven decorations up on the ceiling that you can see much better now are in stark juxtaposition in both style and structure to a lot of the buildings you see down below that were built uh, well after the dwarves no longer ruled this place. Uh, furthermore, you see holes that have been uh, broken in some of those dwarven reliefs on the ceiling in order to let the sunlight in. Oh, that's sad. Why do you have to te- torture uh, Tormir about this? <laughs> you mean. It's his thing. <laughs> I think he's trying to start a train fight. Train fight. Dwarf versus DM. I'm going to say the DM wins. <laughs> this dwarf is about to suplex a train. <laughs> <laughs> I got the reference there, Brandon. I would hope so train suddenly drops at a sharp angle and then just as suddenly turns to the left whoa uh, did not expect that uh and it's at the same time as drops it just goes completely dark as you're pretty confident that you've gone into a tunnel um and and it continues uh turning around to the left until you're pretty sure you were facing the the opposite or you're, you're heading in the opposite direction that you just were and a short while later, it stops at a station. And there is a handful of people that get on. There are a few guards, um, but they are mostly uh, Cogwork, Cogworks union workers that, that uh, pile on. So it stops just abruptly? Uh, so- no, it's a, it's a gradual stopping. So it's, okay. you probably have like a solid... 45 seconds to a minute sure uh in reaction time before it stops is there so is this kind of like is there like some place to hold on to or like a spot to stand so to the side of each of the the benches there are poles that go floor to ceiling that you could hold on to okay so like a subway got it uh additionally there are areas that you could stand in the middle aisle or between the benches as well sure uh basically i just want to stand up and kind of stand against one i guess the outside wall kind of next to maybe the door okay uh what about you with what are you doing in the the cabin i am just sitting in one of the benches uh just minding my own business okay so like I said, a, a handful of uh, both Cogworks union workers and guards uh, pile on to the train. Um, they, the train starts up, you know, slowly gliding up to speed, and 
gets uh gets up to speed and the cogworks union workers more or less sit in silence uh, a few seem to be sharing meaningless stories uh, a couple jokes and laugh about them uh, and then not very much longer maybe only five minutes longer uh, it slows begins slowing back down and comes to another stop a few people get off and a lot more people get on the car this car that you're on is you would guess is likely maybe half to two-thirds full uh there's definitely not enough people here that would require people to stand but jathal is still standing because that seems to be what he wants to do yep uh, and there are others who are standing as well sort of just out, more out of politeness than anything else I'm kind of trying to keep the demeanor of a guard, right? That makes sense. And there are most of the other ones that are standing are guards, although there's a couple of workers who are kind of just, oh, standing up and giving their seat to somebody else who looks like they need it. Sure. And uh, as the, the car takes off again, uh, one guy sits on the bench next to Athir, and he kind of leans over at you and whispers, so... We've, we've located the rebel leader. She's in the Blackstone District. We're planning an attack three days from now. Share the word. And he hands you a card. Three days from now, you say. I'll share that with others. He goes, meet by the bell tower. And then he stands up and goes and walks over and sits next to someone else and presumably says the same thing to them in a whisper and hands them a, a similar looking card. I'm assuming that it's he's talking to all the the guards. No, he's talking to or, all the different cog cogworks people. That's what I mean. Uh, he definitely doesn't seem to re have any recognition of you because he just seems to be going around to just various cogworks people who look. He doesn't definitely doesn't go to all of them. He only goes to those who look like they're able-bodied. From what you can tell. Aw, you look like you're able-bodied. Um, and he uh. If, if you look at the card, it says Blackstone Bell Tower Rebellion's End. And at the bottom of the cards has the initials ZC. Uh-huh. Zane. Bingo. Collinsworth. Collinsworth, yes. Collinsworth. <laughs> Isn't that his last name? That's not his last name? <laughs> no. well, Zane Colonoscopy. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> He'll get all up in there. That. Roto-Rooter, that's me. He also works <laughs> part-time as a pipe cleaner. <laughs> nice. All right, so another stop. Some get on, others get off. There's more that get off, so it's more um, sparse at this point. The group that gets on at this point after the train takes off again looks walks over to Jathal, uh, kind of looks at you a little bit cautious and says uh who are you escorting what do you mean escorting yeah well typically uh you're you're here to escort someone to you know something that they've done untoured so uh, you're the only guard here who i don't see escorting someone are you simply here to to supervise or who are you escorting uh I'm not really at liberty to say. Understood. I, I apologize for my indiscretion. He goes back and sits down. Yanthal. My name is Yanthal. 
then my mission is classified. I mean, it is classified, though. What are you talking about? That guard's going to file a Freedom of Information Act and try and figure out what you're up to. <laughs> That's fine. He won't, he won't know anything about it. So, train, uh, train goes forward, goes to another stop. Uh, a few people get on. There's only one person that gets off on this, one, this particular stop. This is stop. It's that guy. This is stop four? This is three. Oh, man, we should totally have let him go to four. <laughs> hey, come on now. Are we mean listeners? Yes. Yes, we are. Look, so, you can always count on me. Boo. And uh, at this point in time, uh, you know, some of the ones that got on, another one uh, sits next to Ethir. Um, and he goes, uh, th- this is a wor- another union worker. And he looks at Ethir kind of cautiously and goes, so I- I'm curious, what, what is your opinion of the, of the uh, rebellion? I'm not sure really what to think about it. Well, I mean, it affects all of us. Everyone's got to have an opinion of some sort. It does, but there's times where it's hard to tell who is telling the truth. That's a very valid point. I mean, there's there's a lot of people saying a lot of different stories. So, I mean, who knows what, what lies Marin's trying to spread. You think Marin isn't truthful? Uh, well, I mean, if Marin's the only one telling the truth, why would everyone else lie? Maybe everyone else doesn't know the truth. But maybe that's food for thought. And he just kind of sits there for the rest of the, this trip and kind of seems like he's lost in thought. I don't say much else to him. Uh, it gets to another stop and just about everybody gets off. Actually, pretty much everyone gets off. Um, and there are no, there's no one who boards at this station. Can we look outside and see what this, like, if we see all these people getting off, what does it look like outside? Outside, this looks, uh, like a large, uh, there's, there appears, you definitely smell the smell of smoke more at this location than the rest. There's lots of lanterns, uh that appear to be powered. They're like oil lanterns. Uh, there is a large facility that seems to be billowing smoke, which is going up to the roof and kind of traveling along the roof towards some site, something that's out of sight. Uh, it looks like a lot of workers that are heading towards that building that's billowing out the smoke in regular pulses. And there are a handful of guards that are uh, take uh, a few of the people who they were apparently escorting off in a different direction. Um, and no one boards, and one of the workers, as he's getting off, turns and looks back at Ethereum and goes, You coming? No, not not yet. Uh, I, I think I have my stop is further down the line. What, why would you want to go to the hollows? So, is, is he, and he points over at Jathal, he goes, Is he, something to do with him? Is he taking you there? I'm not sure what he's doing, although... I would be worried if he was to follow me. Huh. I mean, you don't want to go there. Trust me. I don't know if you've been there before or not. It's it's not a good place. Oh, yeah. I've, I've been there once or twice uh, before. Well, more than once or twice. But let's uh, let's be real. There's um there's there's reasons why I go there. Fair enough. You, you know what? I, I don't want to know more. Probably best if I don't. So anyway, you have a good day and 
stay safe out there, I guess. You too, sir. And eventually the train uh, lurches back up in, in speed, this time a little bit less smoothly. Um, and you feel it lurch after it gets up to speed, lurch downward again, this time much steeper. Um, and as it continues going downward in its descent, it feels more, you know continually warmer uh, once it's, until its descent is completed. Um, and the air just, you can feel the air come in through the windows and it's, it's much just humid and warm air down here. Um, it makes one final turn to the right and begins to decelerate at the end of the turn. Um, as it continues decelerating, you see lots of electrical arcs off the sides, much like you saw at the other stops. But, uh, unlike the other stops, this one is... You see, like, flaps of tents flow violently. There's tent. There's like a tent city on either side of the train here uh, that's pretty much almost right up against the train. There's hundreds of tents and buildings and all kinds of stuff just surely crammed right around this train station. Um, there, are the, Some of the tents and buildings have scorch marks from the electricity that's arced off the rails and, and hit the buildings. You are absolutely amazed at the fact that none of them have caught on fire. Man, you're you're not kidding when you said that the uh, current state of things in the hollows was a bit tense. Mm, boo, <laughs> boo, <laughs> two boos. It finally comes to a stop, and you see outside of the windows uh, a lot of people starting to come out of the tents and looking at the train. The train doors. Are they looking intently at the train? More curiously at the train. Really? Does the train not normally come down here? Maybe? Yeah, I guess you you really don't know. So, But they come out curiously. Most of them are dwarves and humans. There's a couple gnomes, and there's also the other thing that you've seen down here that you haven't seen elsewhere throughout the rest of the entire city of Malatine is there's several kobolds. Small, about halfling-sized uh, lizard-like people. Okay. You know still candle! There is no one else on the train besides me and Ethereum, right? Uh, in your cabin, yes. Okay. Uh, there, there are presumably multiple cabins on the train, right? But so. but we can't. They can't see into our cabin from their cabin, or can they? Uh, no, you can't. The cabin, the the front and the back of the cabins don't have any windows between them. Okay. So you can only see out the sides and and a little bit of the top. So before it stops. I think of, let me think here. So if I think of something else, will my garb change? Only if you will it to. Right. It has to be a conscious effort. Yeah. That's what the idea is. So yeah, if you, if you will the, the, to change your appearance, you can. Yeah. So I want to, um, yeah, I want to try and change my appearance to look more, I don't know, peasant like. Okay. <laughs> wow, money bags. <laughs> wow. It must look like one of the peasants. That's 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 kind of how I would think. Because <laughs> uh, we've already been told that the guards don't really come down here. So, like, I would look out of place in the guard arb garb. So. Right. So, you change your appearance, uh, Athir, do you leave your appearance as is? 
I leave it as is. Yes. Okay. The doors open up from your from the general car. Um, Unum and DMs don't open up yet. Uh, DM is fiddling with a device to to trigger them to open. And the you see probably dozens and dozens of people at this point who have come out just kind of more like out of curiosity um, to see what's going on, you know. And they all look very malnourished, very uh, covered in dirt or what you assume is dirt. And the crowd suddenly parts. And coming from the gap in the crowd, you see over the heads of them eventually uh, a human that's riding a green-skinned beast, roughly the size of a horse, um, rides forth. The beast appears like a six-legged lizard, uh, but with leathery skin as opposed to scaled skin. And the beast, uh, the ridden beast appears not to have any eyes, but it doesn't seem to have any difficulty moving around without them. It doesn't even look like it has a place where it could have eyes. Hmm. Um, The human riding riding atop is wearing rough leather armor and has a helmet which appears to be a skull of some sort and is holding a a crude-looking sharpened piece of wood that looks like a spear. Got it. It points the spear at Jathal and Athir as they disembark and says, What do the topsiders want down here now? Bring us more suffering? And... At that, at that uh, demand, we will end the episode here, what? and we will come back no. next week. The cliffhangers. Thank you again, listeners, for tuning into this episode of Paper Pencil Dice. As always, please reach out to us if you have any questions, comments, or feedback at paperpencildicepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, otherwise, until next time, keep gaming, friends. Thanks for listening to this episode of Paper Pencil Dice. Reach out to us at paperpencildicepodcast at gmail.com. Join us next time to find out what our heroes get into next on Paper Pencil Dice.